is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go. Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Welcome, everyone, to Fantasy Football Today on Wednesday, August 1st. Today on the show, we are going to tell you if two top ten picks from the 2017 NFL Draft can bounce back after a very quiet rookie season. We are now transitioning from running back week to wide receiver week. And today, Dave and Jamie give you sleeper and breakout wide receivers. We're also reviewing our half PPR mock draft. Guys, the uh, the best format in fantasy football. Hands down. And, and one of the best chat uh, conversations we've had in a long time. It was pretty good. It was pretty spirited in there, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, you could see portions of it. Um in the write-up that I did about the draft, Dave has a line in there. Adam has a lot of lines in there. <laughs> Will has a lot of lines in there. Yeah, it was basically Will, me and Will going back and forth about something, and it was interesting, so so check it out. Um, would you guys like to start the show with some wide receiver trivia? Sure. Okay. Yes. How many wide receivers had double-digit touchdown catches in 2017, and can you name them? None. Yeah, I was there even one? There were two. Double digit touchdown catch. DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, he had thirteen. Same first initial. Devontae Adams? Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams definitely did. Check out this trend. Wide receivers, not including tight ends, just wide receivers with double digit touchdown catches last four years. Eleven, ten, five, two. Is this a this a fluke or is this something? No, is this a trend? No, no. Uh, it's part of a much larger, more disturbing trend at wide receiver. Not to not to put a dark cloud over this podcast, <laughs> but what's the trend? Last year, wide receivers in total caught five thousand eight hundred twenty-five passes. It's the lowest since two thousand eleven. Collectively, they also scored four hundred thirty-seven touchdowns. That's the lowest since. 2009 they are not getting as much work as they used to because running backs are taking a bigger workload as are tight ends and as teams learn to spread the ball around as part of the spread formation receivers aren't getting the same cut as they used to i'm gonna i'm gonna go out on a limb and say the return of aaron Rodgers and andrew luck will help that just to just going out there on a limb yeah, well that's a good that point. that helps in one and a half places because Adams was one of the guys with double digit touchdowns last year. Yeah, but usually, usually Rogers gets two guys to perform at a high level. All right. So that could add two more wide receivers to the fantasy I'll mix. Say four but more. Is, listen, in 2016, there were 6,590 plus, plus catches. Plus the season of Garoppolo, plus Mahomes, plus. Well, there'll be injuries though. There's, there's there a 700 plus catch decline among wide receivers from 2016 to 2017. And there's this. In 2017, NFL teams averaged 34.2 pass attempts per game, the lowest since 2011, the fewest passing yards per game since 2010, the most rushing attempts per game, 26.9 since 2013. So you don't know, you don't know if it's kind of like a one-year trend or, you know, if this is something we should draft on because maybe just it's more of a running league. Maybe that makes running back deeper. Remember months ago, we kind of talked about how running back felt a little deeper than wide receiver. Uh, it is. Do you feel that way still? Well, it is at the top. I think once you get to the, you talked about this yesterday or, or earlier this week about the mid-round running backs. You know, I think that's kind of where the receivers take hold a little bit more. The mid-round receivers are a little bit better. Yeah. But the top of the running back group compared to the top of the wide receiver group is just deeper. I mean, especially now with this Baldwin injury, if he's not part of the mix, you know, you're you're really looking at, in my opinion, at best ten number one type wide receivers. And the way I I really interpret that this whole discussion about perhaps a decline in the passing game overall, the decline of the role of the wide receiver, is that it does make the elite wide receivers feel even more valuable. To me, yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, the the thing is, it's. You know, again, as we talked about yesterday, you, you can look at Julio Jones and his struggles last year. You can look at what happens with quarterbacks going down, like what happened to T.Y. Hilton, and you know what happens if Roethlisberger has a serious injury, et cetera, et cetera. But if those guys produce like they're capable of doing, which they have been 
more times than not, the guys that are ranked up there, at least the ones that have done it more times than just once, you know what they're going to give you. And they're less likely to be impacted by their own injuries because they typically don't get hurt like running backs tend to. All right, guys. Uh, so we have a wide receiver preview probably in a couple weeks. I think next week we'll do quarterbacks and tight ends. And then we'll get to running backs and wide receivers, which is always a two-part position preview. But we'll give some sleepers and breakouts today, some busts tomorrow. Coming up later this week, there is an auction tomorrow. And uh, we'll talk about it on Friday. So get excited for the auction episode. Somebody emailed me, guys, and said we should really talk about $200 budgets and not $100 budgets. I guess we could do both. Does it make that big of a difference? He claimed it did, and I, and I sort of see the point. But I think it makes a difference when you're talking about the players that go toward the end of the auction, the $1, $2, $3 guys. Yeah, I think you can mostly multiply by two and get, for, for, for most guys, like a, a you know, equivalent For like the value. top 100 players? Would you say for the top 100 players you could do that? <laughs> yeah, it feels about right. All right. Um, and also, uh, yeah, so we'll talk about the auction on Friday. We'll try to get some voicemails. 954-689-3199. Just want to tell you about two things real quick. CBS Sports HQ. If you grew up watching, uh, sports highlight shows and you actually like them, cause they were just straightforward sports, news, scores, highlights, and you loved them, well, we're bringing that back. CBS Sports HQ, you can watch it on your Amazon Fire, on your Roku, on your Apple TV, on what, or any connected device. You can watch it online at cbsportshq.com. I watch on my Roku all the time. Um, it's great stuff. There's fantasy content and it'll just catch you up on the sports world. On the sports world, our guys do a great job and our girls do a great job. You want to sign up for a league? Do so on CBSSports.com at CBSSports.com slash FFT. CBSSports.com slash FFT. I pro- I'm getting one of my leagues that I play on another site. We're tired of it. I'm getting everybody over to CBS this year. Uh, you know, do it. CBSSports.com slash FFT. That's our slogan. Do it. Uh, and when we talk about the half PPR draft a little bit later, remember Dave said he was going to take Antonio Brown. Well, he didn't. Fifth overall. Find out why. Only three wide receivers were taken in the first round, and the Jarek McKinnon hype is getting out of control no, right now. Ridiculous. Yes, find out. Make me McKinnon start to went. not like him. Oh man, what a bummer! What a bummer. Well, also a bummer. Let's talk about the big news. Doug Baldwin out a few week, couple weeks, few weeks with knee soreness. Plenty of time to get ready for the season opener. What is the impact right now of this Doug Baldwin knee soreness? It's not a huge impact yet, but if, if you're drafting within the next two weeks, you're going to have to – this is going to weigh on your mind. It's going to make you want to wait on Doug Baldwin until like the end of round three, early round four. I don't think you have to wait that long. I think that you can give him the veteran's benefit of the doubt. He knows the offense. He knows his role. All that stuff isn't changing. He should be able to build chemistry. Chemistry with Russell Wilson pretty quickly. I, I think he's still safe to draft as one of those top 15 fantasy wide receivers, probably closer to 12 than 15. Uh, but that's what I'm doing. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt for now. I haven't moved him in my rankings yet. The one thing that makes me nervous is Pete Carroll is the most optimistic human being alive. Yep. And so if he says a few weeks, that could be months, you know, because just about how he usually downplays everything or upgrades everything. Um, in a positive way. So the fact that he's saying it's, it, it's a few weeks, look, bad knees that take time to rest sometimes end up resulting in surgery. That's never a good situation. So just keep an eye on it. You know, the, the, for the people that are drafting now, I think you just take a cautious approach and, you know, you maybe don't take him at the end of round two or beginning of round three and just see how far he falls to you. If you're drafting come, you know, end of August, beginning of September, we should have an idea of what his status is. But, uh, if there's no Baldwin for any stretch of time, there should be no Russell Wilson as a number one fantasy quarterback because the receiving core there behind that offensive line is just not going to be good. When you say as a number one, meaning he doesn't make your top 12 without Doug Baldwin? No, he won't. Wow, massive decline. Let me ask you one more thing. You you obviously read the Pete Carroll quotes about Doug Baldwin. Mm-hmm. Did you get the impression that he came to training camp with the knee injury? Yes. Said. Yeah, yeah. Then why didn't they put him on the pup list? I'm sure they were hoping that just it's general soreness and that he was fine. Who knows? I mean, it's yeah. I hope it, they don't think it's too serious. It, yeah, it's it's one of those things. You know, the, the, the next thing that could be we we hear on a negative sense is uh, short term IR. Well, you know, for Baldwin and you know, right, obviously it's we're a long way before he's on short term IR. But I don't like the fact that he 
came to camp sore and it's still sore. I, it wasn't just like, oh, he hurt his knee in practice. We're giving him a, a week or two off. Uh, it's been a lingering thing. But I think when you look at, you know, where he's being drafted in the Mike Evans, T.Y. Hilton, and for a lot of people, not for Jamie, Tyree Kill range, I think fantasy owners are going to be able to pivot to those guys, Evans, Hilton, and, and Hill. When you start to get to like Demarius Thomas, Amari Cooper, Larry Fitzgerald, that maybe people see that as a new tier and wouldn't be willing to put Baldwin behind those guys. Maybe, you know, you know what I'm saying? Maybe he's easy to slot behind Evans, Hilton, Hill for a lot of people, but I don't, I don't think at this point you can take Demarius Thomas over Doug Baldwin. I mean, that's the next guy I have ranked behind him. So it, it uh, it'll get there for me. Um, but not I, yet. I ju- I'm sorry. Not yet. Not yet. Right. But I, I think for the people, you know, and again, tying in the drop off at receiver, or at least what feels like the drop off at receiver. If you're picking in one of those first four picks overall and you're taking one of those running backs, when you get to round two, assuming that the Evans Hilton group is gone and you were hoping that you could take maybe Baldwin and a tight end or maybe Baldwin another running back, it's going to be tough to sort of justify taking Demarius Thomas or Amari Cooper or Tyree Kill or any of these other guys in the early end of round two, early part of round three, unless you're sold on them. Um, with And you may just have to pivot and just go heavy running back. I think if you have the fourth, the third or fourth pick, I feel confident that Evans or Hilton will be there in round two. Maybe, but you, if not, I guess you're looking at Fournette falling just based right. on what the ADP is. Yeah, or Gronk maybe Dalvin Cook. Yeah, that would be nice. Uh, all right, so that's our Doug Baldwin analysis. Let's get to some sleeper wide receivers. Jamie, let's start with you. So the first of two top ten picks of the 2017 NFL draft that we'll be talking about. You have Mike Williams of the Chargers as a sleeper going into his second year. Starting to get more excited about him. Um, you know, I, I think he looked clearly the void without Hunter Henry there, what the expectation was for Mike Williams last year. Uh, the fact that he's healthy. Um, you know, I, I think just looking at what the red zone opportunities are there for, for Williams now, we'll see if they do sign Antonio Gates, but, uh, I, I, I think you'll see Philip Rivers lean on him quite a bit. And, uh, his ADP right now is just amazing. It's going to rise. There was already a, a video of Rivers throwing uh, a nice deep ball to Mike Williams uh, that the Chargers tweeted out. And if more and more things like that continue to happen, I think Williams' ADP is just going to skyrocket. It might help if the Chargers' secondary continues to fall apart, too. Might mean that the Chargers yeah, he didn't have do to it on throw Hayward. a little bit. No, I'm just saying, I, yeah. I don't care what he does in practice, who he scores against in practice, but if the Chargers are giving up points through the air, Phillip Rivers is going to have to respond. Sure. Should mean more pass attempts, more targets. You, you get where I'm coming from. Now, why Mike Williams and not Tyrell Williams? I think Tyrell Williams is is kind of dependent on everybody not being there, as we saw. I mean, last year Keenan Allen comes back and Tyrell Williams' targets get you know just chopped in half. So investment, I would imagine there's going to be a little bit more of a, a priority to get Mike Williams involved. Um, Tyrell Williams was very good two seasons ago, but his pedigree is not exactly the same as what Mike Williams is. And so I just think red zone opportunities will be better for Mike Williams. Catches may be the same. Production may be the same. But I think the touchdowns excuse me, production uh, between the 20s might be the same. But I think the touchdowns will favor Mike Williams, and I just think he's a better player. Yeah, he's 6'4". You know, he's a big target. He'll help fill that uh, Hunter Henry void. Last year, uh, Hunter Henry and Gates combined for 19 targets inside the 10-yard line. The year before, they had 15 targets inside the 10-yard line and 15 touchdowns. So we know we know this team uh, needs to replace those touchdowns. Maybe Gates comes back, but still, Hunter Henry void is, is a significant thing. Dave, your sleeper is uh, still a pretty young wide receiver, and it's Nelson Aguilar of the Philadelphia Eagles. Do you know how many touchdowns he scored last year? Eight. I know Eagles fans are going to know. He eight. scored eight. He scored eight touchdowns. I think that gets lost. Uh, and, and he had a 65% catch rate, had only 95 targets, uh, turned that into almost 800 yards. I think his role could expand this year. I, he's looking great at camp. I've read all the reports. Alshon Jeffrey on the pup list. Um I, and I think Philadelphia is going to continue to be a high-volume passing team. And you can get them late. You can get them at least 100th overall. PPR, non-PPR, great guy to just have on your bench to begin the season. He finishes a top 24 wideout last year. I think there's a chance he could do it again this year. I don't have it ranked. He's not in my top 24 among receivers. But I think he's got some 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 nice upside. I don't think he's got a 1,000 yards in him. But I think he can be a nice quality guy to have on your roster. 
All right, so Aguilar for Dave. Who would you guys rather have, Aguilar or Mike Williams? I'm drafting Aguilar out of Mike Williams right now. Right now, Aguilar, but it's close. Uh, if Mike Williams stays healthy through the preseason, it, it will be easy for me to move Williams ahead of him. Well, Aguilar is going right behind DJ Moore and Devontae Parker. They're all going about 120th overall, end of round 10 in a 12-team league. That's in CBS ADP. DJ Moore, Devontae Parker, Nelson Aguilar. Your thoughts on that trio? I think those are good bench guys. I think that's exactly – those are guys that are going to go right around pick 100 overall. Well, I would take Parker over him unless go. Jeffrey's hurt. If Jeffrey's on the pup list to open the season – then I will take Aguilar. I forgot to ask a question that must be asked. If Doug Baldwin were to miss significant time, which Seahawks wide receiver <laughs> – I mean, it might be an obvious answer, but who in the Seahawks passing game? Benefits? Tyler Lockett. Yeah. He be, Tyler he be Lockett is probably going to be the, the first one. Jerron Brown could be another one. I think they've liked what he's done. There have been a couple of uh, unheralded guys that have been making plays for them. And we'll see if Marshall can get healthy. Yeah, he's barely practiced. Yeah. I wonder if they called Dez. Yeah. Are they desperate enough? And then Dez and Brandon Marshall in the same locker room. I would imagine that's the transaction. They get rid of Marshall for Dez. Well, I'd love to see that. And one way I'd to love see to see that, Dez there anyway, whether whether Baldwin's healthy or not. I think he would help that offense quite a bit. You know what, Dave? I'm clearly clearly doing a, a seeky greet here. You couldn't tell. I'd love to see that. How do I see that? I get to the game. I mean, that's what it is. It's the Seahawks. Wait a minute. You, you'd love to see it. You'd pay to go see Des Bryant play for the Seahawks, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would. Exactly. Yeah. Of course you would. Listen, they come, they don't come to New York this year. Why don't you hop on a plane? Week 12, they play at Carolina. That's going to be a heck of a game. Oh, that's not far. Des Bryant, Russell Wilson, and the Seahawks in our imaginary world. Yeah. Versus Cam Newton and all the weapons that he's got. Mm-hmm. And, and if I wanted to get there, I would use the SeatGeek app, and I would save 20 bucks on my first purchase with the code FFT. So, yeah, you just buy some tickets on SeatGeek and use the code FFT for 20 bucks off your first purchase. So SeatGeek, I do use it really all the time. Uh, I've been going to a lot of baseball games. I've used it for concerts. I've used it for football, college football, pro football, college basketball. I've been all over the place using the SeatGeek app, and I have done the price comparison, and I'm always seeing the cheaper deals, the better deals on the SeatGeek app. I like that you can sort uh, you can filter with the fees and without the fees so you know exactly what you're getting into. Every purchase is fully guaranteed. You can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. And SeatGeek searches multiple ticket sites so you don't have to. And they pull in a whole bunch of deals and they grade every ticket based on value so you can immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Do me a favor, everybody, and download that SeatGeek app and put it on your phone. Or you can go to SeatGeek.com, but I recommend the app. It's a great app. And enter the promo code FFT. That is promo code FFT for 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event, and we have the tickets. Breakout wide receivers. Buying a ticket to see Corey Davis, Dave, the fifth pick in the draft in 2017 in the NFL draft. Did not have much of a rookie year. Caught two touchdowns in the playoffs against the Patriots. Is he going to carry that momentum into 2018? Well, the mere fact that he's healthy and practicing now should help bring optimism up to another level on Davis, especially with Richard Matthews on the pup list for Tennessee. They need him desperately to come through. And and I I'm just I continue to get the feeling that the Tennessee offense is going to be fun to watch. Just by first of all, it's going to be better than what it was last year when it wasn't that much fun to watch with Mike Malarkey calling the shots. Now it's Matt LaFleur. Now it's it's West Coast offense. It's a lot of Movement in the pocket for Mariota, which is something I think he can do. It's a good offensive line protecting him and a lot of downfield throws. And I think that Corey Davis is just worth taking the chance on as, as, as one of those wide receivers. We've already identified that receivers in general, it's hard to find those double digit touchdown, high target wideouts. I think Corey Davis has a chance to be one of those guys. I think he's got that kind of upside. Double digit touchdown. See, I, I guess I'm wondering, are they going to throw enough? Marcus Mariota has not even thrown for 3,500 yards in a season. Um, are things going to change? Because in his three years, the Titans have ranked 21st, 28th, and 28th in pass attempts. LaFleur comes over from the Rams. They rank 24th in pass attempts. Now, look, Corey Davis can certainly be a breakout without getting double-digit touchdowns. Like I said, only two did it last year, only two receivers. 
Um, but I guess I just want to know what you think the the realistic upside is for Corey Davis. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So so you're not buying double digit touchdowns. Would you buy 1,200 yards, or is that too hard to believe because you haven't seen Marcus Mariota th- throw it? Yeah, Tennessee hasn't had a thousand yard wide receiver in forever. Right. I I so, think Dave that that I get it with Davis, but it's kind of like Joe Mixon. Where, you know, basically the only reason people are high on these guys is pedigree. You know, maybe, we've talked about mixing. Oh, it's opportunity too. Yeah, yeah, sure. But, but I don't think either of them really showed enough that if they, if they didn't have a high pedigree, if Mixon weren't, hadn't been a second round pick who fell because of off field issues, if Corey Davis hadn't been the fifth pick overall in the draft, we wouldn't be talking about Corey Davis as a breakout. But we should because pedigree matters. I, I, you're right in that regard, but I, I think it's also just, if this was a more high volume offense, Corey Davis, his upside would be, I think, even more. Like, I think you have to view him more as a number three fantasy receiver going into the season, but he definitely has top 24 potential because he should lead them in targets, especially if, if Richard Matthews isn't right. And you look at the guys that he's competing with, assuming Matthews is healthy. Delaney Walker, I mean, Adam, you, you've talked about this. He's, you know, not necessarily the the most dynamic playmaker. He's he's a good tight end. He's just not a great tight end like you know in in the upper echelon guys. And Matthews has been serviceable, but he's not a star. Davis has star potential, and so you saw it in that playoff game. And you know I I talked to Mariota at the Super Bowl, and he said you know like most of us, he hopes that's the jumping off point for him that he finally clicked. It took the 18th game of the season for them for that to happen, and. You know, that's something that he can hopefully build on. If he stays healthy, he should be 120 plus targets. I mean, I don't know if he's going to be 140 to 180 type guy. You know, he's not going to be Mike Evans two years ago, but he could certainly be in that 120 to 140 range, which based on what his skill set should be and what Mariota's skill set should be, skill set should be, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think there's a lot to like about Quentin. I do too. I, yeah, I, I didn't mean to come off so negative. I'm just saying he didn't, he had a terrible rookie season. You know, he, well, got, he was banged up and he was part of a crummy offense. I, I really think you can't judge anybody in Tennessee's offense and, and at least the passing game based on what we've seen the last two years. Though. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, totally makes sense. I did not mean to come off a uh, negative there on Corey Davis. Um, now we saw him go in the fourth round in one of our drafts that we thought that was way too early. He's going 83rd overall in CBS ADP, Corey Davis. Thoughts? I think that's a little too late to be honest with you. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yep, me too. All right, Jamie's breakout is Chris Hogan. Let's see where Hogan's going. Chris Hogan is going, oh, 85th. He's going after Corey Davis. How about that? Yeah, and and I don't know at what point you're going to go through all the news, but Jordan Matthews was released from the Patriots today, uh, suffered a hamstring injury that apparently has been bothering him, and they decided instead of putting him on injured reserve, they decided to just release him. They are talking to Eric Decker. They have Kenny Britt. They have Cordero Patterson. Uh, but no Brandon Cooks, no Danny Amendola, no Julian Edelman for four games. And so Hogan's showed last year, unfortunately he's had some injuries, but uh, he was on pace for a 10-touchdown season. He would have had – he had injuries his first year with New England two years ago. If you factor in the playoffs, he had 1,000 yards, I believe. Um, he had the 100-yard game and a touchdown in, in the Super Bowl when Brady threw for 500 yards. And most uh, – I mean, obviously that came with Cooks not playing – because of the concussions he suffered, concussion he suffered in the Super Bowl. But I just think opportunity. He's their best outside receiver and he should be in that 120 target range if he stays healthy. Uh, I think he's got top 20 potential. So, um, Edelman, once he returns, will clearly put a little bit of a damper on that. But I, I think you could see Hogan getting off to a great start through those first four weeks. And, you know, if Brady's arm holds up, which I don't think most of us expect that to happen, even in his early forties, he'll hit Hogan with some downfield shots and, He'll get a lot of one-on-one coverage. I just think there's a lot to like about him. The the thing to love the most about Hogan is what he can do in the red zone. And that's something that will last beyond the first four weeks of the season. The thing to hate about Chris Hogan is that he's never pieced together a big season. It's been injuries or just being a role player that is that has kept him from being a, a breakout guy. And it's weird to talk about what year is he? Is he a sixth-year player at this point? I'm not sure. Fifth or sixth, it feels like. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry, but it's, it's rare to find those guys that break out this late, but it is a very good opportunity for him. So who do you prefer? Corey Davis or Chris Hogan? Davis for me. Davis has a higher ceiling if things go right. Chris Hogan has Tom Brady, so I'll take Hogan. 
All right. They're going uh, very similarly in drafts, so, you know, around 80th overall, which might be a little late for Corey Davis and Chris Hogan. Yeah, let's get to those news and notes now, actually. We have some wide receiver news. The Saints signed Michael Floyd and Brandon Tate, a couple of wide receivers, and rookie wide receiver Traquan Smith has had a good camp. Does any of this matter to you for the Saints? Well, Traquan matters because he's one of those fast receivers that could play a role and help Drew Brees out quite a bit. You put him on the field with Ted Ginn and Michael Thomas, it's going to be hard on defenses to figure out how to stop that. Yeah, oh, maybe throw on Alvin Kamara too. We're not drafting Traquan Smith yet, so. Oh, Dynasty. you are in rookie only drafts. Dynasty, you are. Dynasty leagues. Uh, yeah, I meant seasonal. Right? Um, Alvin Kamara could return kickoffs later in the season. As, no, do as uh, Jamie mentioned, the Patriots have released Jordan Matthews. They worked out Eric Decker. In fact, I was about to drop Eric Decker in my Dynasty League today because we're doing our free agent draft. And then I, you know, with that news, I was like, Maybe he ends up on the Patriots. I'll keep him on my team. Once upon a time, Eric Decker and Josh McDaniels were partners in crime in Denver. That's right. And that worked out really well for Decker. Who was his quarterback again? Tebow. <laughs> no, it was Peyton, right? Was it also Tebow? Dave, and McDaniels never played with him. Right. So Peyton. McDaniels and Peyton weren't there together. No, it was Tebow. Right. It was and Tebow? A little bit of, a little bit of uh, what's his name? Kyle Orton. Oh. How about that? Beard. Washington wide receiver Josh Doxson hurt his shoulder, and we will get an update on Thursday. Seahawks reporter Brady Henderson for ESPN considers Chris Carson the favorite to be the starting running back in week, in week one. I will tell you where the two Seahawks running backs were drafted in our half PPR draft in just a moment. Also, Seahawks news, defensive end Deion Jordan, may, uh, he has a stress issue. He could miss some time. Earl Thomas, not getting any closer to reporting for the Seahawks. In fact, he might get traded to the Cowboys. Is this going to be a bad defense, the Seahawks defense? Yes. I think they're going to have a decent pass rush and a good run defense, but I think they'll get gashed by the pass. Green Bay linebacker Jake Ryan tore his ACL. The Chargers got another injury at corner with Trevor Williams spraining his ankle. Uh, we don't. It doesn't seem like it's so serious, but it's a sprained ankle, and obviously they're already down one corner. And Colts offensive lineman Jack Muhort has announced his retirement. He was a second-round pick in the 2014 draft. And uh short season, short career for Muhort. That's unfortunate. Good luck to you, buddy. And now, good luck to all of you. If you want to play some more fantasy football, how about playing in some best ball leagues? Best ball is really fun. We talk about it sometimes here. Uh, you draft a team, and then that's it. You don't have to set a lineup. You don't have to do waiver wire. You don't have to worry about trades. You don't have to worry about injuries. The best players on your team every re every week are automatically put in your lineup. So it's really fun. It's low maintenance. It's a way to do a lot more leagues uh, without dealing with the uh, season-long stress. And how do you do it? You go to the draft app. On the draft app, the draft app is just getting better and better and better. I love playing daily fantasy on the on the draft app with the snake apps with the snake drafts. But now we get to do best ball drafts. Uh, awesome stuff. And we can get you a free entry into a best ball draft when you make your first deposit. Download the draft app and use the code FFT. You'll get a, a real money game for free by using our promo code FFT on your first deposit. Play for some cold, hard cash on the draft app. You can start at just $1. There's a league out there for everyone. And also, another cool thing, this year Draft is running the biggest best ball contest ever. A $1 million best ball tournament. Just enter the best ball championship Draft the best team, and you could win a piece of $1 million in prizes. It is that easy. So it's very fun stuff. Any fantasy football uh, aficionado would love it. You'll love it. Get on the Draft app. Play best ball. Use the promo code FFT when you deposit. Just search Draft in the App Store or go to Draft.com and play for free with the promo code FFT. So the write-up is on the website for the half PPR draft. Can we play it out? Because I'm I probably going to win the league. With my team. Uh, sure. I right, good. Hundred bucks ahead. I'm that confident. Two hundred bucks ahead. I'm spending a lot of money on diapers lately, Jamie. We're gonna have to make it a hundred. Okay. Uh, um, yeah. Anyway, read the recap of it. It's cool stuff. What were your What were your takeaways, Jamie? What did you notice about this half PPR draft? Well, I think you know you mentioned it, Jarek McKinnon, going as the 13th overall player. I hate it. <laughs> um, 
I guess in one regard, I like it because it allowed me to get Leonard Fournette toward the middle of round two. Um, it, it, you know, feels like most half PPR drafts should go. It, uh, it was a mix of, you know, still leaning running back early. And, you know, the second round was, was clearly dominated by receivers. Um, I, yeah, it, it's, it's a very good draft if you're in this type of format to follow. How about 11 non-running backs going in the first two rounds? And uh, two of them were tight ends, so nine wide receivers in the first two rounds. So you said it, Jamie. Lots of running backs, even in a half PPR format. Uh, expect it. Expect to see something like that on draft day in your leagues. I felt like maybe after that, it felt more like a PPR draft to me, specifically with guys like uh, Duke Johnson, Chris Thompson, Gio Bernard. You know, I don't know how if those guys have value in in non PPR leagues as mid round picks. James White was the first pick of round seven. Duke Johnson mid round seven. Chris Thompson last pick of round seven. Tariq Cohen round eight. Giovanni Bernard first pick of round nine. Um, that felt more PPR y to me than non PPR. But again, if you you know you, you think that those guys are going to be Look, James White's got a great opportunity with this receiving core being a little depleted to start the season. So if you're of that camp that you think he's going to be de facto slot guy. I think it could end up being that way. Yeah. Uh, you know, now that Matthews is out, your boy Baxton Berrios gets a boost if they don't sign Decker. So they're going to have to mix and match and be creative. We know that they will be, but White's certainly somebody that Tom Brady relies on quite a bit. Dave, what were your takeaways from the half PPR draft? Just more of the same. Uh, certainly the running back heavy uh, start stood out to me. Uh, the quarterback depth and just the fact that you could get unreal steals later on. Also very eye-popping. I thought I got a great deal getting Deshaun Watson in round six. I was doing jumping jacks. I was so excited. And then I saw so many other quarterbacks get taken long after that. And I, I kind of had quarterback envy. Cam Newton in round eight. Andrew Luck in round nine, Drew Brees in round nine, Carson Wentz in round nine. Yeah, I know. I felt the same way because I, I it uh it made me feel a little sad and and I loved Deshaun Watson this uh-huh. year. Yeah, I took Aaron Rodgers in round four, and Jamie took Tom Brady right. Round six, two yeah. rounds later, and I was like, Ugh. man, I may have reached for Aaron Rodgers, but you never know how the draft's gonna go. I get to the point with Aaron Rodgers where I say, if I don't love anybody on the board, I'm taking Aaron Rodgers right now. I was I was two picks after you, and that wasn't the first guy that I looked at. Rodgers. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's hard to argue that, especially you know, again, our drafts are gonna be a little bit different than you know public drafts or you know most regular drafts. Um, but Rodgers' ADP is the end of round two, so to get him two rounds later, that's a great pick by you. Yeah, what I take him fortieth overall. And guys still on the board, Allen Robinson, Kenyon Drake, Golden Tate, Darius Geis, uh, et cetera. Juju Smith-Schuster. I think it actually went uh, Rodgers, Robinson, Drake. I took Drake, so I know that. Yeah, I was reading like straight from the draft results. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. I didn't make that clear. So I took Rodgers 40th, and then two picks later, Jamie took Kenyon Drake. Um, now, I know this isn't really specific to half PPR or anything, but with the with the report, you know, from – from your source that Drake is not going to get the feature work necessarily. They're going to work Frank Gore in there. Why did you take Drake over Darius Geis? Uh, I still think Drake's going to get enough work. And the the one thing that was told to me is that he's going to be the one in passing down situations. So, you know, again, when you start to skew toward any PPR format, I still think he's, well, he's still a number two guy, even if he's not the, the quote unquote starter. Um, and and so while he's going to share work, he's still going to be, I think, 15 to 20 touches just based on his role in the passing game. Why would the Dolphins take him off the field when he's easily their you best? should have stopped as why would the Dolphins? That's kind of what they do. He's just such, he was such a playmaker for them last year. I, I think and, to, and to replace him with Frank Gore or to entrust Ryan Tannehill with the ball just really – Speaks to how tone deaf that offense is right now. If you're in the Kenyon Drake camp, which I think a lot of fantasy owners are, of the way he finished last year, you hope it goes the way it did for the Dolphins and their backfield two seasons ago. I think it was two seasons ago. Um, when JHIE was left home, when they went to Seattle, Arian Foster was on the team. Foster played the first, I think, three games, got hurt again. Now Frank Gore's got a better track record of staying healthy, but he's 
180 years old. And if in fact he can't handle being not the featured guy, cause that's not going to be the case, but if he can't handle being the 50 50 guy, can't handle sharing the workload, can't handle it, you know, to the level of being not necessarily handle it, but being successful in it, they have no choice but to give Drake more work. So he's going to get a good amount of touches. Don't, don't make this out to be he's going to the bench or not going to touch the ball. But if it's 20 carries for the game, their ideal situation is probably nine, nine and two for the two main guys. And then maybe Kalen Balaj or somebody else getting two carries. And then my guess would be is five to eight catches for Kenyon Drake. Now he's not going to catch them all, but that would be his targets. Nine carries a game. That's what you're saying. I'm just saying, you know, if, if, if it's 20, if it's 30 carries a game, you know, it's 14, 14 and four, you know, whatever the case, however the math comes out. Yeah. Okay. So. Kudos to Dave and Jamie for being the fastest drafters in yesterday's draft. Jamie made his 15 picks in 3 minutes and 57 seconds. Dave in 4 minutes and 57 seconds. Good job, guys. Uh, let's just take a look at round one. So why did you were, you were probably up there until you got screwed at the end? Yeah, it's true. I, I auto picked the kicker. I don't know why I couldn't select my kicker. Uh, actually, it was my DST as my last pick. Uh, yeah, that took me a minute and 32 seconds. I was still at that point. I was still six minutes and 20 seconds. I was pretty slow. Um, so. Round one, you know, Dave had the fifth pick, and I said, what are you going to do? And he said, oh, I'm going to go out on a limb and take Antonio Brown. We had a nice little laugh about it. But Antonio Brown went fourth, and Dave took Ezekiel Elliott. So it was Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, Antonio Brown, and Ezekiel Elliott. Who do you like third overall, guys, in half PPR, David Johnson or Ezekiel Elliott? Johnson. Still Elliott. Okay. So no, you know, nothing really too surprising. Gurley Bell, David Johnson, Antonio Brown, Ezekiel Elliott, DeAndre Hopkins to Jamie, Odell Beckham. Then I took Kareem Hunt, and that's when the Dalvin Cook discussion started. Because I had an opportunity to take uh, Cook eighth, and I just said to myself, look, I really like Dalvin Cook, but I really like Kareem Hunt too. And he's healthy, you know, he's not coming off a torn ACL, I'm not worried about the workload, he's in a great offense, great system, helps running backs, he's going to catch more passes than Cook, I think. Why not take Kareem Hunt? So, eighth overall. That was followed by Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, Melvin Gordon, and Dalvin Cook. It's pretty normal first round, right? You, I, I would have anticipated a, a couple more receivers in the first round. Yeah. Okay. Well, then, then it was Jarek McKinnon at 13, which was Cray Cray. Keenan Allen, Julio Jones, AJ Green, Michael Thomas. There's your run on receivers. Keenan Allen, Julio Jones, A.J. Green, Michael Thomas. And then, Jamie, after Rob Gronkowski went, you take Leonard Fournette, which really looks like a great pick in the middle of the second round. I felt as if, and, you know, when we talk about our team, but I, I felt like I just got lucky, in, in essence, with my first seven picks, you know, if you want to go that far, but certainly my first six picks. And that was the start of it, was Fournette in round two. Okay, so Jamie's picks were DeAndre Hopkins, Leonard Fournette, Zach Ertz, Kenyon Drake, Mark Ingram, Marshawn, uh, nope, Tom Brady, <laughs> sorry, definitely not Marshawn Lynch, Tom Brady, and then round seven was Marlon Mack. Mm-hmm. So you feel pretty good. Very good. Yeah. I mean, I have, when everybody's there, now obviously Ingram's out for the first four games, but even take him out of it. Uh, potentially the best quarterback. Top, top three for sure. Top three tight end. Top two wide receiver. Top, however you want to call it, but top eight running back. And then I still think Drake is a top 20 running back, and I think Mark Ingram will be once he's on the field. And Dave, who's your tight end? Evan Ingram. So we all somewhat prioritized quarterback and tight end. I have Rodgers and... Burton, which I was very happy to get. And Dave has Watson and Ingram, and Jamie has Brady and Ertz. And I, you know what I was kind of feeling after this draft? Like, I kind of like a later pick. Like, eight overall. I don't know if we consider that late. It's mid to late. I really like it. Because Kareem Hunt and Michael Thomas, I was thrilled to start that way. And that kind of freed me up to take Aaron Rodgers in round four. I, I feel like I'm less likely to take Aaron Rodgers if I don't feel super confident in my RB1 and, our, and, and wide receiver one. But I felt good about them. And then I took McCoy in round three, and I felt good about that. I know Davey has a bust. I get that. But I thought it was good value for McCoy. I think he's going to catch a ton of passes if he's not suspended. 
And uh, I felt good about the start. And when I, when, when I feel good about those running backs and wide receivers, that's what I'm more likely to take Aaron Rodgers. And I think I'm going to feel better about my first three picks, honestly, if I have a later pick in the draft. How you guys feeling about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm sure there could be, you know, let's say you took Jordan Howard instead of McCoy. Um, then you could have had Allen Robinson instead of Rodgers in round four. Yeah, and had I want the entire that. Bears with Trey Burton. Right, yeah, that's right. too risky for me. No, I get that, but um, still, <laughs> but, if you had taken Howard instead of McCoy, I like it better. But I get what you're going, what you're going for. Um, and it could be a situation. That, you know, you could have gone with, cause I think he went a little bit too soon, but you could have gone with Kareem Hunt and Dalvin Cook. He could have made it back to you there. Yeah. I, I, uh, I had a feeling you guys weren't gonna like McCoy where I took him. Eighth pick of round three. So that's, uh, at 31st overall, something like that. I worry that he'll second. get taken before then in too many drafts. No, I think that's about the spot he'll end up going until we get word of what his situation is. And I don't think that I would have taken him there in non-PPR. But 59 catches last year, it's a pretty big deal to me. And I, I think uh, I like him there in half PPR and full PPR. All right, so tell me about your teams, guys, and what you uh, you know what you saw unfold and what you liked, what you didn't like. Dave, take it away. Well, after getting that stud running back first, I was hoping to get a good receiver in round two. I was hoping Leonard Fournette would make it back to me in round two. Jamie swiped him right in front of me, but Devontae Adams was still there. And just, I, I've been saying this all along, most people will start their drafts with one running back and one wide receiver. And what I like about that is it takes the pressure off of trying to fill one of those other positions if you don't take one of each. And so in round three, the best available player on my board was Tyreek Hill. I took him. And then round four was a little bit, uh, tricky for me. I, there were two players that I really wanted to get a look at. I know one of them was, uh, you took Golden Tate. One of them, one of them was Golden Tate. One of them was Ronald Jones. And I thought that Ronald Jones would fall to me in five. So this being PPR, I think Tate's value is much better. And I took him then. I do have a little bit of remorse over not taking Darius Geis because then I thought I could have taken Geis and Jones, and that would have been a nice running back trio. But again, catches matter, and I think that that gives Tate an edge. And sure enough, Jones made it back to me in round five. So Golden Tate, you took him about 44th overall? Right. So I went three receivers after Ezekiel Elliott, and those were the only three receivers I drafted. And Golden Tate has 90 catches in four straight seasons. But... Is that a good spot for him in half PPR? Cause, cause guys like Tate, Edelman, the ones that have the big boost in PPR, I do find it a, you know, a little difficult to assert their value in half PPR. That's true, but I didn't want to be left with weak receivers. And I knew I could, I, I had a very good feeling that I could get my guy in round five. That's really what it came down to. Okay. Um, so yeah, what's the rest of your squad looking like? Rest of the squad is Deshaun Watson at quarterback. He was my round six pick. Zeke and Ronald Jones are my top running backs. My three receivers are Devonta Adams, Tyree Kill, and Golden Tate. Evan Ingram in round seven. And I, I got Chris Carson in round eight. And at the time, he was the only name at the, on the board that I really liked. And so I, I just went with it. And so now I'm thinking, am I comfortable taking Carson in round eight in every draft? And I think the answer is yeah. With the, with the headlines that are coming out in Seattle, the fact that he, he looks strong and he's running with the first-team offense, I don't care about Pete Carroll talking him up. I, I just want to know, is it legitimate that he's in this role or is this all being done to push Rashad Penny? And it could be a little bit of both. But I and, and if I'm going to get one, I'd like to have the other, but I'm not drafting Penny. Penny went in round four, I think, in, in our half PPR. Uh, 50th overall, second pick of round five. Okay, so just after round four, thank you, Adam. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I didn't have a problem with it. I, I like Carson. I liked him last year and I'll take the chance on him in round eight. The rest of my bench is, uh, Ty Montgomery, Corey Clement, Peyton Barber, Jordan Wilkins, and the very last pick of the draft, Tyler Eifert. Hey, there you go. He's healthy. He's yeah. back at camp. So you and only I have three I don't, I don't wide know how long receivers. that'll last. It might only be like two more weeks, but hopefully he survives and, Potentially uh, could be like a flex for me or 
If Evan Ingram gets hurt, Tyler Eifert could fill in week one. See what happens. You have three wide receivers on your team. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I just, that's what you do. Dave loads up on running backs for his bench. I can find a receiver off waivers after the year starts. All right, Jamie. How did your, uh, Dave had the fifth pick, by the way, and Jamie had the sixth pick. So Hopkins and Fournette, that's how you started. And how'd your team unfold? And what'd you, what'd you like? What'd you didn't like? What, what didn't you like? The one thing that I, I may end up regretting was, uh, I like Marlon Mack in round seven. I, I, I love Marlon Mack in round seven because if he is the guy there for the Colts, then he's got a round four or five type of value. I just may have regretted not taking a receiver there because I have to mix and match my second receiver. I have a lot of guys that I like five, as a matter of fact. Um, and you can make an argument for all, almost all five of them being, if not the best receiver on their team, certainly one A type situation. But um, after taking the the seven guys that we we already talked about, Hopkins, Fournette, uh, Ertz, Ertz, Drake, Brady, and and Mac and Ingram, excuse me. Um, Mark I Ingram. thought I thought I, after I took Mac that I was going to have the shot to take, and I, I didn't want it to be Will Fuller because I didn't want to have my two starting receivers being Hopkins and Fuller. But I thought that I can get Cup or Crowder, and both those guys went before my pick. And Woods, I'm sorry. You took Robert Woods. Um, so I just started going receiver heavy. So in round eight, it was Robbie Anderson. Round nine, it was uh, Kenny Stills. Round 10, it was Marquise Goodwin. Round 11, it was Michael Gallup. And and that's my receiving core is Hopkins and those five guys. And so, uh, again, Stills could be the best guy in Miami. Gallup could be the best guy for Dallas. Uh, you know, Anderson should be the best guy for the Jets, you know, assuming he doesn't get suspended. So there, there's plenty of potential there just to have to start one of those guys, if not two. But I think, you know, again, I, I like the star potential of this team um, and being able just to fill that one spot when everybody's ready. So let's say you had two wide receivers by the time Will Fuller came off the board, which was after, like you could have taken Fuller instead of Marlon Mack in round seven. Yep. You had DeAndre Hopkins. Let's say you had taken a second wide receiver. Let's say it had been uh Sammy Watkins or something. Well, it played out differently. Let's just say I did take Fuller instead of Mac and I took uh I took and Cooper Cup fell to me or um or Crowder. Okay, so my question is don't Then I'm okay. Then I'm okay. How with do it. you feel about having the two Texans guys because let's say something happens to DeAndre Hopkins, all of a sudden Will Fuller. Yeah, it's it's the Azer strategy. It is um, a little bit the Azer strategy. Sure, it, it's it's not bad, but I just when I was looking at it and looking at the options I had, I, I he wasn't going to be the first one, even though I may have him ranked ahead of a couple of the other guys. Okay, and uh, the team that I have that I am so very proud of, Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, Trey Burton at tight end. At, um, can't remember when I get him, like round seven, round eight, or something. Trey Burton. Round seven. Okay, so Rodgers, Burton, I'm just trying to pull up the whole team. I have uh, Kareem Hunt, LeSean McCoy, and I have Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones to be perhaps a flex or just depth. I have Michael Thomas, Chris Hogan, Cameron Meredith, Devontae Parker, Mike Williams, Robert Woods. Like This is a, like, I don't know how this happened. I ended up with a good team. And uh, Spencer Ware to back up Kareem Hunt. I love it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's a great team. Titans DST. They're at Miami in week one. Greg Zerline. Greg Zerline, I got the best kicker too. Not even fair. I got the best quarterback, the best kicker. That's all you need in fantasy. <laughs> there you go. Let's read some emails. Fantasy football at CBSI.com. Oh, by, oh, forgot to say this. Okay. Uh, real quick. The Indianapolis running backs, Marlon Mack round seven, Naeem Hines round 10, Jordan Wilkins round 11. Mack seven, Hines 10, Wilkins 11. Quick thought. I think it's good value for all three of them. Green Bay running Agreed. backs. Jamal Williams round six. Aaron Jones round ten. I took both of them. Ty Montgomery to Dave. Three picks after Jones in round ten. So Williams yeah. six. Jones and Montgomery ten. I think that's good value, and I really like the Williams-Jones combo that you took. Better than the Ty Montgomery pick that I had. Uh Rashad Penny round five, 50th overall. Chris Carson round eight. Wow, whoever took Carson in round eight, <laughs> what a stinking genius he is. Yeah. Good job. Um, hey, did you see the breaking news on Doug Baldwin? No. ESPN reports that Baldwin is expected to miss most, if not all, of the preseason. They are hoping he's ready for week one. Not good. Oh, no. I need the Peter Griffin sound effect. Ah! Right? I can't, this, 
Ah, that is big news. I mean, I'm sorry that we're 50 minutes into the podcast. I hope people are still listening, but let's keep reacting to that. What are I'm you thinking? I'm in my rankings as we speak. Yeah, it's it, it's somewhat similar, obviously different reasons. But Josh Gordon, it's like, how can you trust them? The the upside, you know what it is. The the potential, you know what it is. But it's risky, and he may be riskier than Gordon right now. So it's it's hard to say you can trust Russell Wilson as a top five quarterback under the circumstances. Are now they gonna, may end up being great values depending on where you get them. Yeah, like are you going to take Carson Wentz or Russell Wilson? Uh, unless we get word that that Wilson's that us using that Baldwin's out, I'll still take Wilson. But if it's close if, now, if Wilson's missing any time, look, they're both going to be down potentially their best receiver. So that's not good for either one of them. But um, I, I I moved Andrew Luck into my top five. I'm going to put Luck ahead of him. Me Ooh. too. It's already happened for me. Doug Baldwin is entering his eighth season. He has missed two games in his career. So this is very unusual. And we don't have a well. Here's what Russell Wilson did without Doug Baldwin sample because it no. hasn't happened. But if he's without him, that's 20 touchdowns without the three guys last year that have left the team in Jimmy Graham, Paul Richardson, and Luke Wilson. And Baldwin is essentially seven touchdowns, 900 yards on a year-to-year basis. Are you starting to get that sinking feeling about the Seahawks? Uh, yeah, I'm glad you took Chris Carson in round eight. <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> Who would take Chris Carson in round eight? Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's not good. It's, it's not good. Um, you know, Russell Wilson had to score 37 of the team's 38 total touchdowns last year. He's going to have to do that again. Wow. So this opens up Tyler Lockett, uh, Ed Dixon, CJ Prosize. He's hurt too. Dixon is hurt too. Yeah. You have to look at Nick Vanette, I believe is how you say it. Yeah. That, Vanette. Go get Dez. This is a, this is big news. This really is. Um, I guess we can talk about it more tomorrow. Uh, let's finish off with some emails here from Chris in Lansing, Michigan. Do we give too much credit to rookie running backs in general, especially the ones who will be charged with blitz pickups for older or more injury-prone quarterbacks like Sony Michelle or the rookie running backs in Indianapolis? What do you think? Um, my guess is they're not putting those guys on the field in obvious passing situations until they're 100% ready. I did see a video of Saquon Barkley uh, having a great – Blitz pickup. I forget who was the rusher, but he he did everything perfectly. Um, the 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 thing is, you know, Dave talked about this with the spread offenses. These guys come into the NFL a little bit better prepared in that role than some in years them. past. Yeah. Um, you know, so whether it's a guy coming in that's an expert per se, or someone that's coming in that's you know ten percent better than a guy five years ago, just because he's done it more. Again, I don't think you're going to see Naheem Hines asked to, you know, third and long when there's obvious blitzing situations for Andrew Luck and same thing with Sony Michelle, but they'll still have to do it from time to time. I don't think we make too much of rookie running backs. The ones that are drafted high in the NFL draft, these teams want to use them. Last year was a really, really good year for rookie running backs, and that was with Dalvin Cook only playing four games. It would have been even better. So, you know, I think you have to be a little patient. Maybe you have to understand that for some rookie running backs, it's not going to happen in week one. But eventually, if they like, I think Carry On Johnson, uh, Jamie and I certainly feel this way. I'm not sure where Dave is. I think that they're going to turn the keys over to him by week, I don't know, four or five. It may be sooner than that. I mean, right now he's still running with the second team, but I, I just don't look at Legarrette Blunt holding up for a full season, and that's kind of what Philadelphia did last year, where they made the trade to get JHI. I, I think you look at um, like trends. Obviously, there there are trends for a reason. The last three guys that were drafted first in their class have performed really well. Why? Because they had a great pedigree and great situations that they kind of stepped into. The Jaguars realized their offensive line wasn't good, so they drafted a left tackle last year. They added Leonard Fournette on top of that, clearly to make their run game better, and both things sort of worked hand-in-hand, and you saw what the results were. The Giants, realizing their offensive line is bad, what they do, they made the the, the two moves to get their left side better, and, and the run game should make that better. Like in on Johnson's, Scenario, I, I think it's the last four running backs that teams have traded up for in the first three rounds. All four of those guys have had success. Kareem Hunt, I believe, was one. Camaro was one. Melvin Gordon was one. Now, it took him, obviously, a year for it to happen, but still. And I forget the fourth guy. Um, but, oh, David Johnson, I think it was. Um, very successful, clearly. Yeah, okay. So, you know, you're hoping those things follow suit. Uh, next email is from Dave from a borough in New York City. Let's go with the Bronx. 
Dear Dutch Kimball Conan and the T-800. Is that what he was in Terminator? He was the T-800? I did not know that. If you really want to wait on quarterback this year, how do you feel about drafting Tyrod Taylor and Jameis Winston? Really? You could, uh, you could definitely get away with that. I don't know many leagues where there's going to be much clamor for those guys. I had an interesting question today from, uh, uh, one of our colleagues here, um, for a league that his father plays in on CBS Sports. And he's in a 12 team league with only four bench spots. And he was talking to his dad about waiting on quarterbacks. And his, his father said, well, in my league, everybody takes a quarterback by the first three or four rounds. And he was trying to explain to him that with only four bench spots, most likely no one is taking a backup quarterback. You'll pick up a guy on that week when you need someone. Keep an eye on on your roster limits when it comes to leagues like this because you don't want to carry only three backup running backs or receivers. Sure. So roster limits matter. We don't really talk about things like that a lot. But, yeah, Tyrod is, is going to start the first however many games. And you know getting Jameis back. And, look, you could – Talk about the highs and lows of how Jameis has performed as a fantasy quarterback, even as an NFL quarterback. But I don't think we, you know, hammer this point home enough. In the 11 healthy games that he played last year, he was on pace to lead the NFL in passing yards. And this receiving core, look, we, however you like Mike Evans, you like Mike Evans. You know, he's not like he's a, a, a top 30 receiver. He's a top 15 receiver, or a top 10 receiver, or top 12, whatever the case may be. Deshaun Jackson will make plays. OJ Howard and Cameron Brake will make Sorry, plays. Sorry, Jamie, I, I don't, I don't mean to cut you off. I just want to read some more emails, but just Tyrod Taylor and yes, James Winston. Fine. I just, I just wonder if you could find a better combo. Yeah, like you're putting yourself, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage if Tyrod Taylor. But why? Because, because there are so many good quarterbacks. Jared Goff and Dak Prescott instead. You can, but you may be sacrificing somebody else in that round nine or round eleven range. Where do you have Tyrod Taylor? Round nine, ranks? round eleven. Who's taking those guys in round nine or round eleven? ADP. Oh yeah, people. <laughs> Well, wait, Tyrod Taylor? I'm, where, where do you? No, 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 no. Dak and Goff. Oh, oh, okay. No, I'm just saying, you know, I, I don't want to have you, Tyrod obviously, Taylor. Obviously, you could do better, but so if, do you, better. If, these, if these are two guys you like, take them. Rivers and Carr? Sure. Rivers and Matt Ryan? Sure. You can mix and match. I feel like I'm at a sale. Stafford and Winston is the great combo if you want Jameis. Uh, Clinton, a golf town in North Carolina. If, why, why bother getting Jameis? Just have Stafford and roll with him. Uh, Golf Town in North Carolina. Let's go with Greensboro. Dear Brian, Randy, Ray, and T.O. Hall of Famers. Which current backup running back that you're drafting in the mid to late rounds has the best chance of being a fantasy starter? Jordan Wilkins. Rashad Penny? (laughs) (laughs) Well, no. I mean, Chris Carson's going after him. Yeah, but I mean, that's true that he's not being drafted in the late rounds. So Carson would be the one. Carson is the starter technically right now. All right, Jordan Wilkins, good answer. Good answer, good answer. This is George from the capital of Louisiana. Oh, God. Baton Rouge. Yeah, it's Baton Rouge, right? I th- yeah. What's the you outlook? You're going to say New Orleans. No, no. What's the outlook for Jamison Crowder? I like him a lot. Uh, I, I mean, I've fallen for this trap last year, but, I mean, now Josh Doxon's hurt again. You know, I know Alex Smith was great throwing the ball down the field last year. Um, you know, you look at all the metrics, he was fantastic, but his track record suggests a lot of dump offs and, and slot receiver play. And that's where Crowder will live. And apparently the rapport is great for those two guys. Um, Kirk Cousins told me at the Super Bowl that Crowder was never 100% healthy last year. So I, I think a big bounce back year is coming. From Rory, dear Blazer, Laser, Blade and Michelle. The Ocho. The Ocho, dodgeball. I'm preparing a 12 team, uh, for a 12 team keeper draft. I'm not sure who to target. Which pair would you rather have? Jordan Howard and Amari Cooper? Or Keenan Allen and Darius Geis? The latter. Yeah. Mmm, because of Allen? Yep. Okay. So Allen and Geis over Howard and Cooper. And that is it. For today's show, bravo, guys. Tomorrow we do bust-wide receivers. Oh, it's a keeper draft, so you can keep guys for a while, too. Yeah, there you go. Makes sense. What are we doing tomorrow, Adam? Bust-wide receivers. All right. And stuff, other stuff that I'll figure out. Uh, all right, I got to go. Bye. Again? He's leaving. Oh, Headphones man. are off. That's all right. Dave and I will hang Pants out. Pants on. He is, he is rolling out of here. 
He is he's out of here. Dave, now you can say anything warm you up want the, about Warm him. up the vocal cords as we got to give everybody a, an outro that they deserve. Well, well, now's a good time for me to do the rap that I owe. Oh, no. You're no, not getting off that easy. You're not getting off that easy. I wish I was a little bit. No. Can't for Dave no. and Jamie, we'll get Heath back next week, and we'll talk to you on Thursday. I'm Adam Azer. See you later. Na, 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 na. Nah.